This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Go With Yammo. Go With Yammo is an art exhibition app which helps you find the exhibitions and art events happening all around you. The app displays exhibitions based on your location, showing you the ones nearest you at the top of the list. If you're going on a trip, you can change your location to plan your art excursions accordingly. What makes the app really fun is when you're at an art exhibition, you can check in and earn points, which can then be used to redeem prizes from the in-app store, such as prints, exhibitions, books, and more. Go With Yammo also creates custom virtual exhibitions for galleries and artists. These, alongside exciting blog content, can be found via their extensive website. The app is free to download now. Make sure you visit their website at www.gowithyamo.com. That's www.g-o-w-i-t-h-y-a-m-o.com. everyone and welcome back to Art on a Podcast, the podcast created by Art on a Postcard. Today I'm pleased to be joined by Ruby Bateman, one of the many artists donating postcard-sized masterpieces to the 2022 International Women's Day Charity Auction for the Hepatitis C Trust. Hi Ruby, it's really wonderful to speak to you. Thank you for joining me. Hi, how are you doing Molly? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good, really good. <laughs> and where are you speaking to me from? I was just saying how amazing your background is. Oh, thank you. Well, this isn't my background, so to speak. Um, I'm in Falmouth on an artist residency. <laughs> yeah, that's been really, it's been really lovely getting away um, at the end, tail end of January to actually carve out a bit more time for myself to make some more artwork. So I'm just in the second week now of that. And how much longer do you have? Uh, so I'll be going back home to London on Monday but it's, it's kind of a sort of short and sweet visit of two weeks but it's kind of the perfect amount of time to take away rest and recuperate as well <laughs> absolutely I think we all need a bit of that yeah for sure <laughs> and so many of our audience um, will know and if they don't know they'll be researching afterwards um, your works your paintings your drawings your video works and many more um, each of your works almost reads as kind of a snapshot of a, of a story entwined with you know characters and narratives and I wonder what are some of the key themes that run through your work? Firstly thank you, um, <laughs> it's always nice to hear that they all seem to be cohesive. Um, well some key themes, I guess visually I'm always inspired by the classical, it's something I always return to, I can't help it, it's not really a choice, <laughs> it just seems to happen to me. Um, and I love, I love the classical. Um, it has this amazing capacity for drama and that you can see that through mythology and its visual rep representation. Um, and I love visually the kind of ornamentation and how you have these incredible architectural motifs that mirror natural forms. So you have these swirls and these leaves and, you know, there's, there's a lusciousness in there that I'm always drawn to and I try to recreate within my own work. And I always use classical sculptures as references for my figure drawing. It's so helpful anatomically, but also expressively. There's so much there for me that I dig into whenever I need to start an artwork. I have a massive Pinterest board <laughs> of all these classical sculptures I, I go to. But conceptually, the core theme in my work is maternal politics and um, a recent collection I exhibited in Grove Collective's um, exhibition called Dream On recently um, is showing uh, an aspect of maternal politics I'm particularly interested in the moment at the moment it's 
It's about um, maternal politics and midwives and the persecution of them through witchcraft. This is particularly in the Middle Ages. This, this kind of series of um, paintings and drawings I exhibited was just showing how, you know, women's power is often just gatekept and it's repeatedly denied by patriarchy and it's right up to present day. Obviously, it is most violent within um, that Middle Age period within witchcraft. And like you say, that's, that's so interesting, sort of maternal politics. I, w- I wonder how long has this sort of fascination with the idea of, of the mother and motherhood been in your work? And sort of, could you tell us a little bit more about that theme? Yeah, of course. So I feel like my first fascination with the mother <laughs> uh, started when I was five. And this was after the death of my birth mother and then meeting my stepmother. So this love lost connection to motherhood and remothering has always been at the core of my practice and my uh, emotional self. Um, and then, you know, I failed to recognize this interestingly, <laughs> failed to recognize this connection to motherhood within my work right up until my master's degree at the Royal College. So I feel like my critical relationship with mother began when I was 24. And this this happened when a mentor of mine um, encouraged me to read these amazing books and feminist writers and theorists from her own private library. (laughs) Um, So this includes Rachel Cusk, um, Adrian Rich, Lisa Breitzer, and I started reading all these amazing feminist theorists and began to really understand my critical relationship with the mother and learn about institutionalized motherhood. And, you know, then did I begin to realize that there was an ambivalence for motherhood, how, you know, my own desires for motherhood from my own love and loss relationship to it in my past, then kind of butting up against this very harsh institutionalized motherhood, which patriarchy has really come in and perverted. So, yeah, that's kind of where it started and where it continues for me. That's fascinating. Thank you for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you say, the sort of gatekeeping of it and the worth attached to motherhood as well is quite interesting. Mm -hmm. And your works are so, um, you say this yourself, you know, self-referential and painting your own work. Do you find that your works continue to evolve through this process? So does does painting a sculpture evolve how you approach the next sculpture or that sculpture itself? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Definitely. (laughs) I, I always think about it like cubism so within cubism you draw the same thing repeatedly but you draw it from different perspectives and so that's kind of how it happens within my own work I'm kind of doing this dance of repetition through different processes and mediums um, and you know so different perspectives and then only when you start to do it you truly begin to see what it is you're drawing and my yeah my repetition my repetition and my revelation from you know repeating something has been with the cartouche so um, (laughs) the cartouche is like a um, classical uh, motif it's in architecture and it's like a a shield that you find on the side of a building and um, I'm always repeating this for some reason this form I'm always drawing it I'm always sculpting it deconstructing it and you know making it through photography I'm constantly finding ways to reappropriate this form until finally it's suddenly had its own meaning within my work it's transformed into an emblem for motherhood for me the cartouche is like this space where it's holds this potential this importance where usually a message is written and for me it's this curved space that somehow represents like a belly or a message so it's this maternal aspect for me and I'm always finding ways to continue to see how that can exist within my work. Does much of your inspiration that you, you talk about history and there's ideas of folklore and um, mythology I know you recently went on the um, the fish factory residence 
residency mm. um so it was also in, um including you know Norse poetry and things obviously you're in a residency now so I imagine that's I know. Part of your <laughs> practice um I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about your experience at the fish factory residency yeah I mean the fish factory residency was actually my first artist residency I ever went on so it was monumental in that way and um obviously it was incredible being in Iceland like it was it was like being on another planet there were you know weren't trees <laughs> it wasn't really grass it was moss and you know the sun didn't set I was there in July and um that aspect was so powerful but another really important part was learning how I could not survive as an artist but truly live well um I had the time on the residency was just unadulterated time for me to create and for me to squander if I wanted to <laughs> or work as hard as I possibly could and it was such a different time to when I was a student you know it wasn't tied to like outcomes and productivity it wasn't tied to um you've got to check these boxes you've got to finish this deadline it was just it was just magical experience of just being able to be authentically creative and so and also obviously within the setting of Iceland and these massive like mountains you know and fog looming around me it was just very powerful to just figure out this is how you can live as an artist. Do you find that those settings um, and maybe even that freedom and that energy come out in your work in a symbolic way or do you think it's more of just like the energy of the work? The energy of the work sorry um, explain that a bit more. Just just like sort of like the the way that people will then perceive the work do you think that energy of having that freedom comes out in your work or do you try and sort of um, show it visually in a very sort of obvious way? It's hard to it's hard to say how people receive it I mean for for me there's I guess there's a spiritual act within making artwork it's like it's like alchemy it's like making something from nothing and yeah there's there's an aspect of that which I feel is like a very powerful and almost mystical thing and I think within my own romantic way of making lines and these open lines and this kind of these tension always between figures of connection or disconnection I feel like most likely (laughs) I hope (laughs) creates an experience where people can kind of place that for themselves but it's, it's always fascinating hearing how people receive the artwork and what they think it means but often people do tend to kind of feel this kind of energy of of the other or some, something kind of quite I don't know romantic or fundamental happening in the storytelling of my work and when you say romantic that brings me straight away to the ideas of your palette and I, I said to you I think you have a very sort of iconic palette of these like sumptuous reds and these earthy tones they're very sort of romantic and um, beautiful I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about your colour choices oh bless you thank you <laughs> um it's really funny because if you ask me whether I like the colour red I'd probably say no <laughs> and I don't understand why it keeps coming out in my work <laughs> Um, I, I love the colour green so often these ready earthy tones come out to kind of counterbalance it which is quite interesting but yeah I mean colour palette wise I'm always inspired by the Bloomsbury group artists as, as is very popular these days <laughs> like Charleston House and you've got Vanessa Bell and you've got Duncan Grant so these kind of these dusty vintage colours I, I, I love that that ticks a box for me but I think maybe when it comes to the kind of earthiness and richness in colours I think William Blake is always an enduring love of mine and he has this explosive richness he's another person who expresses drama and I guess spiritualism in a profound way that you know speaks speaks to me so I, I won't be surprised if somehow <laughs> my my love of him seems to yeah I, I don't know imitate some of those colors um but yeah um 
also I do love the like I say it's always about antiquity and classicism but I do love those um renaissance artists like Fra Angelica who do those beautiful frescoes where these I mean, I guess they're muted now because, you know, of time that's passed. But <laughs> yeah, the, a contemporary artist that emanates those kind of colour palettes as well as, as Ella Walker. And I also look at her as well. I think, yeah, that's that's how you do it. <laughs> that's how you get a beautiful uh, richness. And you've worked on various publications and um, lots of them, you know, available to sort of inquire onto on your website. And I wonder what role does writing have and play in your practice? So, yeah, another great question. I'm trying to to grow in my written language more. I think when I was in Iceland, that was the first time when I fully committed myself to writing some allegorical fiction. Because I, when I when I make artwork, I, you know, internally, I kind of write my own story. And usually it's based on myself, using myself as a subject. And I wanted to push myself and challenge myself. Like, no, how can I talk about motherhood? How can I talk about it in terms more externally where I'm making a piece of writing, a piece of allegory that can summarize the politics and the emotions behind what I feel is important to say. So now I'm starting to try and and write and try and get more comfortable in the written language because the visual language comes so naturally to me that when I try to do the written language, it's it's like I'm, uh, I, I feel like I'm a bit of a Bambi on ice. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so it's it's a process where I'm trying to yeah push my practice that sort of idea of allegorical writing and and you know perhaps poetry and, and everything comes across quite well in your titles and the titles oh. you work are sort of just as dreamy as as the depictions and um, where do you come up with them oh that's a really great question where do I come up with them I think like I, uh, I say a lot of it just comes from my, myself and like sometimes it's it's an experience or a story that I I've had that I'll put into the figure that I've created it activates that figure and so for me it'll it'll hold it'll hold the figure will hold the story but also take on the story for itself so for example there's a painting that I've got called St Anthony's Well and it's this yeah this seated um feminine figure and it's quite quite dreamy but the name St Anthony's Well doesn't really relate to what the visual of the of the drawing of the, sorry of the painting is because there's no well but for me that was it was a contemplative stance because I I recently did like a little mini pilgrimage to St Anthony's Well in Gloucestershire and it was a really beautiful experience for me and it was very meditative and very special and I felt like when I when that figure came out of me in the drawing that was the way I was feeling so that's sometimes how the titles can attach themselves into the and or sometimes like I say when I have a particular subject matter where I'm trying to write and tell a story about a piece of history a piece of um you know like feminist criticism then it's important to that you know and and some of the works almost seem to complete others like I know with um the betrayal I think you've got three renditions but they're they're almost like say snapshots almost like sort of film screen but then other works are just just a just a name like Jude and I think Margot oh yes yeah um (laughs) so the portrayal series is yeah it's a triptych in the sense that there are three individual artworks but the story runs through the line of the three and yeah so the portrayal series one two and three are obviously labeled in accordance to how the story is told how a story of a couple being in love and then the the portrayal of one of the one of the partners suddenly 
taking interest in someone else. <laughs> um, that isn't a, that isn't a <laughs> autobiographical experience. I just want to say. Um, so that that's where that comes from. But yeah, so, I don't know. Admittedly, I I I some some of the names I have for my drawings are just names I'd love to name children. <laughs> so I get to fulfil that <laughs> sometimes in in my work. Do you know I need to say that? Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking to take these are the names. <laughs> Yeah, these names I really like and so I don't know if I'm gonna yeah I'll have children or not I'd love them but you know just in case <laughs> you've got them the artworks are made. yeah exactly <laughs> and obviously the the reason we're here is you are donating some fantastic postcard sized masterpieces to our oh. international women's day auction and I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the works you're donating I'm not sure if you've started them if you haven't even seen the cards yet you know what stage are you at and, and what are you planning on doing so they're done <laughs> which is good <laughs> and uh I was just I wanted to tackle a subject that was quite encompassing and I was imagining the experience of being a female identifying person you know um and the different forms of love might exist within within that person so I was imagining because I did four four ink drawings and I one ink drawing was you know uh, the love of oneself um the love of a friend the love of creativity and making and the love of you know mothering and I just wanted to have a, a subject that was broad enough that could encompass maybe the different types of experiences the women in the hepatitis c trust share um in the in their experience of being female identifying and you know what might be uplifting them during their incarceration and rehabilitation and it was just a kind of a broad and just maybe nurturing subject matter I wanted to depict so yeah that's wonderful and it's, it's lovely to hear the artists that I've spoken to have all sort of gone in a similar direction to you and it is this uplifting thing I think we all need this kind of nurturing nourishing yeah from our art at the moment I think, I think so too and thank you for donating those again and I wonder obviously you're going to be coming back to your studio from your residency but what's next for you what is upcoming is there anything you can tell us about and our audience can look forward to yeah of course well when I emerge from this residency um I will hopefully have five new artworks and there um it's a series called Janus I thought we, I mean, January's a reflective month named after the god Janus the god of looking forward and backwards there we go, more mythology there. But um, I wanted to, last year was a really big year for me. It felt very, very full, very exciting. I did things I hadn't done before um, and I had exhibitions I felt particularly excited and proud of. And, and I was looking back at the year and how this evolution of the year transpired. And so I picked out a few artworks. I revisited a few you know, things I made in that time and rehashed them and then added some new pieces in, in this kind of little mini collection called Janus, um, which marks that kind of reflective time for me. And then, so that will be available <laughs> through myself to, if you're, you know, interested in having a look at myself soon um, when I leave Falmouth. Um, and then I have another exhibition coming up in February with my art dealer, Domenica Marland. And this will be in Pimlico in London and it will be announced very soon. <laughs> so I'm very excited about that. And her exhibitions are always so joyous and I get to see people I haven't seen in a while, like fellow, um, fellow creators and artists. Just get to also just get to chat to people about my work is a lovely experience and um, I'll be exhibiting that betrayal series that you mentioned um, first time so yeah to see it in the flesh come pop by and you can you know if you want any more updates on what I'm doing and where I'll be showing just you know visit my Instagram or my website <laughs> 
Um, that's yeah. wonderful another busy year <laughs> yeah yeah and at this just before we um sign off I wonder this is sort of a point that we like to do shout outs if there's anyone you want to shout out or if there are any you know upcoming exhibitions you're excited to see or anything like that recommendations for us um shout outs yeah so um my first shout out is to Karolina Merska. She's an amazing Polish artist. She's brought Polish uh, folklore to London. I feel she's such a trailblazer. <laughs> and she's an incredible maker of the Pionki, which are these amazing paper mobiles and much more. She's just a, a really individual and yeah, confident artist which I have the pleasure of working with at FOCA, which is her shop in Stoke Newington. Um, I get to be amongst all this incredible artwork that she makes and she brings from Poland. So if you're interested in folklore and just having more unique and yeah, just very strange, yeah, <laughs> strange artworks as well. Like there's a really sweet little, we got lots of um, things that she collects, like artworks made out of barley flour, just so many interesting things from Poland. So I want to shout out to her, go support her and look at her artwork and her shop. And then another shout out uh, is to my dear friend, Georgia Beaumont. <laughs> She'll be exhibiting alongside me in the next um, exhibition with Domenica Marland. And she's just a fantastic person and artist. You need to go buy her artwork. She's just, she's, she's going places and I just want to shout her out. <laughs> <laughs> go look at her stuff amazing we'll make sure to tag both of them and i'm going to check them both out straight after yeah after. please thank do please do thank you so much for joining us ruby and thank you oh, again for donating thank you, Molly. works um it's really wonderful to speak to you today thank you absolute pleasure it's been such a joy and thank you so much for having me thank you anytime thank you ruby thank you so much for listening to this episode of art and a podcast please subscribe to us share it with your loved ones and support us so that we can carry on these conversations